This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everyone, to week four of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm Elon Dubrowski, and with me is fantasy hockey genius Brian Calm. Uh, I'm a little too modest and realistic to accept that title, but thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Elon, for the brilliant introduction. <laughs> Would calling you a fantasy hockey genius be the same as calling Alex Steen the biggest star in the NHL? No, because I haven't done the equivalent of what he has. I want to get moving. Really quickly, first, I want to let our listeners know we have a Twitter account, at Keeping Carlson. If you send us fantasy hockey questions, we will answer them. So you got an expert at the tip of your fingers. We also have a Gmail account, keepingcarlson at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'd love to hear your feedback. Okay, let's get this show going. Brian, how was your week last week? Uh, I, I don't actually know yet. Devin Dubnik exploded my goalie stats once again in the game. He let up four goals. Um, but my offense has carried their end of things. There's been three key guys for me this week. Brandon Dubinsky, who I think I want to talk a little bit more about later. Uh, but this week alone, he's got two goals, two assists, a power play goal, plus four. Andre Sekera, who went quiet, uh, but now he has a goal, to assist and one power play assist this week. And the, the crown jewel of my team at the moment, offensively, is James Van Riemsdyk. He has five assists this week, two of them on the power play, 10 shots on goal. So like I said, I'm sort of dominating most of the offensive categories, but my opponent is keeping pace. He's got Bobby Ryan, who has two goals this week. Shea Weber has won the blocks category for him single-handedly. He has 18 blocks this week. Kyle Ocposo has a goal and three assists. And uh, I mean, he didn't really need Sterling goaltending, but Tuka Rask, has been phenomenal as usual. And Jonas Enroth backing up Buffalo, which you'd think would be like a really terrible place to be, right? You're not only on the worst and probably most hopeless team in the league, but you're their backup goalie. Um, but it's probably the position they're strongest at. So he's good. He's up 44 shots to pick up a win. Only gave up one goal. So between him and Rask, my goaltending week was probably finished anyway. So I guess I, I won't hold it against Dubnik. I'll, I'll give him another week. Two things that hurt me this week uh, were Jonas Brodin, whose name, A, I learned to pronounce correctly. Thank you, Michael Rousseau of the Minnesota Star Tribune and your video updates. It's not Brodin? It's Br- Jonas, Br- Jonas Brodin, like Sedin, I think. So Brodin, uh, he got a, a puck in the face. He broke his cheekbone. He's going to be back like three games later, which is great. And I guess that's very hockey. Unfortunately, also very hockey, is what happened to Louis Erickson this week. I've, been, I've already sort of had my say on Twitter in a rampage that I guess I don't even know if people read it, but it doesn't matter. By the way, BK underscore plus 81. 
the numbers 81 on Twitter. If you want to follow me, Louis Erickson got, got smacked. And he's still day-to-day on Yahoo, which bugs me. I feel like a concussion should be instant injured reserve. But anyway, John Scott is worthless. He's a terrible human being. Anyone who does that to somebody else is bad. And whether I don't even want to get into the whole discussion, hot-button topic, especially for a new show trying to attract a new listener base. I could go on forever about Erickson, but I won't because I am more interested in hearing how you did this week. What happened? I am killing it this week, man. I think it's your advice. It's really helping me out. But this week, I've won every... Well, there's still one day left, but as of now, I'm winning every single of the categories except for shots on goal, which I'll get to in a second. His team has amazing shots, but... Some of my key stars this week, Phil Kessel, obviously amazing. Five goals, one assist. I picked up Martin Hansel. He's got three goals. That was a really good pickup, actually. You you got him at just the right time. I remember I was sort of iffy when you asked what to do because he, he's he been expected to break out since his rookie year. And everyone, I think, including me, it sort of just decided, like, he's in Phoenix. It's never really going to happen. But good for you. Way to pick him up at, at the perfect time. Thank you. And another person I picked up right after the show last week that we recorded when you suggested not to, but I just kept itching at me and I did it anyway, as I picked up Kyle Ocposo. And this week I've been rewarded with a goal and three assists, including one power play point. So he's been a real stud. Just everyone on my team's been performing, with the notable exceptions of Tomas Hurdle, who's completely disappeared. So I think I might have to go back to calling him Thomas Hurdle. <laughs> Also, Joe Pavelski. Basically, the Sharks, no offense this week. But that's okay, because I do have Antti Niemi, who's still been very stellar. Actually, my goaltending this week with Niemi and Varlamov, I've got a save percentage of 9.57. Actually, today, both of my goalies are playing, but my opponent doesn't have any goalies playing, and I'm already, and I already have the win and wins and save percentage, so I'm just gonna sit my goalies. I've already got it. Sit them out. And also, another noteworthy absence is Alex Goligoski, who even got sat for one game. So I don't want to rag on him too much again since we already talked about him last week. But, but that, man, oh, man. But that's a good thing. I think last year he was having a hard time, and he sat, and when he came back he was better. So maybe the same thing will happen again this year. I hope, man, I hope. I read somewhere that he might be moving to forward, but then I think the coach denied it. Have you heard anything about that? No, I I hadn't come across that bit of news, but to me it sounds ridiculous. Although, you know, Brent Burns, someone else is obviously going to try it eventually. Maybe Goligoski will be the one. I have no idea. That would be great. But until then, still holding on to him, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, overall a great week, except for in shots. My opponent somehow has all of the top shooters of the week. I just wanted to mention David Perrin. 18 shots, Ryan Kessler, 15, Dustin Bufflin, 14. So it doesn't look like I'm going to win that category, but everything else is looking great. I am steamrolling right now, first in my league. What do you think? I'm not surprised because I think you're a smart guy, and I think you're smarter than most of the people in your pool. All right, well, I appreciate that. And you've got me in your corner. That's true. That has been helpful. And by the way, I I just want to say Ocposo is someone we really talked about quite a bit last week. So... You know, if you missed that episode, you missed out on Ocposo. Yeah. And, so, ha. And same goes for Andre Sekera. You mentioned him last week, and we talked about how he'd be a good person to pick up. He's got a goal and two assists this week, including a power play point. Stud. Right there. Would you say to people that they should be dropping a defenseman and picking up Sekera if he's available? He's still only 44% owned in ESPN. He is only... <laughs> 1% owned in Yahoo, so that's that's quite the discrepancy, and I sort of think, I mean, we, we talked about last week, he's seeing 
plenty of power play time. But when I was looking over his numbers, his last two games looked good, but his four before that were totally fantasy irrelevant. He stopped blocking shots. He stopped taking shots. So I don't know what he's doing on the ice. I haven't had a chance to catch most of Carolina's games live, but I really don't plan on being very patient with him when he goes on another dry spell. Maybe maybe you can sell high, Elon, if he's already at 44% in ESPN leagues. He's a hot commodity. Yeah, you make a good point. Okay, so then before that, I wanted to talk about our moves this week. Did you add anyone? Did you drop anyone? I've already kind of talked about how I picked up Acaposo and Hansel. Yeah, sure. I've been pretty active. I'm definitely in the bottom half of my pool so far. I'm not really doing so well, although the leader in the pool has like barely a 600 winning percentage. It's a head-to-head league. So everybody's sort of giving and taking. But what I did this week was I was getting really frustrated with my team, and, and I sort of need a diamond in the rough. And a new sort of roster spot was created by Yahoo last week. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's called the IR+. Plus. And my commissioner added in two spots on everybody's roster for the IR+. Plus. And what that means is if somebody, if a player is not on injured reserve, but is otherwise marked as day-to-day or not active, you can put them in that spot on your bench. So that way they don't take up a roster spot if they're just day-to-day. And you don't have to drop them if you really need production right away. So I took advantage of that. I had Mike Fisher on my team who was day-to-day. So I moved him into the IR plus spot. And that gave me an extra roster position to work with. And what I did, I picked up two guys who were drafted, but then dropped earlier in the season because of their day-to-day status. So maybe a little sneaky. So maybe now it's easier to use guys who have day-to-day statuses. They are uh, from the Minnesota Wild, Charlie Coyle. And from the San Jose Sharks, Martin Havlat. So I added both of them, put those, put them in the new IR plus spot. I also picked up RJ Umberger on the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's got a three-game point streak going with one goal, three assists, and two power play points in that time span. Oh, nice. Did you grab him before the streak started? I grabbed him mid-streak. So I think I got his last game of production. And I also picked up Brian Gianta, who's playing with Thomas Plekinitz and has three goals and three assists in 10 games. I mean, he's definitely had his dry spells, and I think every year he finds himself in all the pools I'm in among the free agents. But if you can catch him at the right time, I'm hoping he'll, he'll be productive enough. I also dropped Alex Kalorn, who I picked up while he was streaking earlier in the season, but now he's pointless in his last six games played with a minus three and only six shots on goal. So he's really not doing much of anything for me. He's playing on a line... I guess it's Tampa Bay's second line with Valtteri, Philpula, and Richard Panic, But really, it's just the first line producing in Tampa. So I decided to cut ties with him. Yeah, sorry to hear that Alex Killorn didn't work out for you. As an owner of Martin St. Louis, I don't really mind that the, it's only the first line in Tampa that's producing. I hope that just gives them more ice time. Yeah, most teams have a top six. Tampa really has a, a top three at this point. They have so many promising prospects, including a guy that maybe we won't talk about this week, but maybe another week. Tyler Johnson. I'm going to throw that name out there. It's someone to keep an eye on. Add it to your watch list, people. Okay, so Elon, you talked a bit about your moves already. I think it might be interesting to talk about other people's moves that we see. We can judge them. And again, listeners can maybe send in what's going on in their pools if they're not sure what's going on or they find things a little curious. But what about you, Elon? Did you see anything weird or especially interesting happen in your pool this week? Yeah, my league's been pretty interesting this week. It's been a pretty active week. Uh, one big thing that happened is Michael Camilleri came back. 
after his injury, and I was watching him and thinking, ooh, he might be a good guy to pick up. The game started. He had a goal and assist, I believe, like into the second period. I was really thinking about it. I even sent an email to Brian. Hey, should I drop Paul Stastny and pick up Camilleri? And by midnight, he was picked up. Mike Camilleri was picked up by a guy in my league, Matt. He dropped Patrick Berglund for him, which I think was a smart move because Berglund really isn't doing anything. So yeah, I think it was a smart move by Matt. So I want to ask you, Brian, first of all, was it a smart move by Matt? And second of all, should I have dropped Paul Stastny to pick up Camilleri? Definitely a good move by Matt. I don't know about Stastny. Stastny's a guy who I seem to have endless patience for, even though history tells me I shouldn't. And we've talked about before how he's definitely being played in a defensive role more often than not this year. So not to expect the numbers that he put up in his earlier seasons and maybe more of like a Jordan Stahl sort of role is coming for him with all the offensively capable people ahead of him on the depth chart in Colorado. So would I have dropped him for Camilleri? I don't know. I'm not a good person to ask. I have a weird thing with Paul Stasny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I blew it, but that's okay. Actually, Stasny did get me an assist in his last game, so I was happy about that. So yeah, Matt picks up Camilleri. Then not two days later, he packages him in a trade. I think he got a real steal here. He traded away Vincent LeCavalier, Camilleri, and Patrick Hornquist for Blake Wheeler and Thomas Plekanec. And how did you feel about that? Well, I don't know. To me, (laughs) what are you, my therapist? Yeah, I think that's funny. (laughs) To me, Blake Wheeler and Thomas Plekanec are both top-line guys. They're playing on the first power play units of their teams. These are people who, you know, if the bounces go right, they could definitely get 60, 70 points, in my opinion, each. Le Cavalier, Camilleri, and Hornquist all seem to me like 50, 60-point people. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, though. You're the expert. So, yeah, I think the two best players in that trade definitely were traded to the same team. Wheeler and Plekinitz going to Matt's team. To me, that's it's a pretty clear win. I don't really understand why the person who made the trade would do that because I think at best for them, it's a lateral move. Le Cavalier, yeah, he went ahead and had a hat trick in his second game back from injury. But keep in mind, he's missed, you know, 15, 20 games a season for the last three years. He's already been injured this year. So that's something to be wary of about him. Hornqvist is on the Predators, and the Predators have five guys who all come with the same warning. Yeah, they can score, but they're not really allowed to. They maybe Mm -hmm. will top out at 50 points every year, but they're at least reliable for that. So Hornqvist, maybe 40 or 50 points. And Camilleri, the thing is, Calgary's a terrible team, but they're playing so well. If they keep it up, which it's not likely they will, but if they do, you've got a top-line player on a team that's successful, so he's going to score points. I think Cavalier is a pretty reliable guy fantasy-wise. I think maybe he would be equal to Wheeler or Plekinitz, but assuming that the guy who had the extra player coming to him has to drop someone eventually, I'm really not sure how this works out Mm -hmm. better for him. Actually, I could even fill you in on that. He dropped Dave Boland, and Dave Boland got a couple points yesterday. Yeah, I would say Le Cavalier and Boland might come out even. I wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season, but now it seems like that could be the case. Really? Well, Brian, you're piquing my interest now because Dave Boland is available on the waiver wire. Is he someone that I should be looking at? Yeah, so Dave Boland, I mean, they made a big deal about his signing with Toronto in the offseason, but between Clarkson signing and Clarkson suspension and Kadri and his RFA talks and Franson and Kessel's new contract, 
he sort of fell under the radar a little bit, at least to people outside Toronto. And he's scoring at a pace that he's never scored at before in his career. One thing to be careful of is he scored six goals on 24 shots, which gives him a shooting percentage of 25%, which really is not sustainable. And in the past, he's never scored more than 47 points in a season. He only did that once. To me, he's always been a 40-point player, and I don't really see him as becoming anything more than that. He's got a bit of a bigger role with Toronto than he did in Chicago, sure, but I wouldn't really hop on board the Boland bandwagon just yet. So there was some other movement in my league that I'd be interested to get your thoughts on. One of the players in the league made a goalie swap. He dropped Andrzej Pavlik from Winnipeg, and he picked up Ben Bishop, who was a backup on Ottawa last year. Now he's a starter for Tampa. Do you think that was a good move? I do, except one thing to consider is the makeup of your pool. If starts or saves made are really valuable... Pavlich is a little more of a lock in Winnipeg to get the playing time than Ben Bishop is in Tampa. Ben Bishop is supposed to split time with Anders Lindback, but it looks like he's sort of taking hold of the number one position. He's totally outplaying Lindback so far and also outplaying Pavlich. The thing with Pavlich is I think a lot of casual fans and observers keep waiting for his breakout season. But at this point in his career, I'm not sure it's really going to happen. He's played over 40 games in four seasons so far. In those seasons, his save percentages are in order 906, 914, 906, and 905. So you can sort of see where he's going to fall in his career arc, I think, anyway. The Jets also don't have a terribly great defensive system to help him. Yeah, they're kind of known for having the offensive defensemen like Bufflin and Enstrom. Yeah, they can try and shut it down from time to time, but when it comes down to it, he hasn't looked that impressive, and there's nothing about his career to date that suggests he will be. On the other hand, Ben Bishop has a smaller body of work, only 53 games played, but he's been fairly consistent over the last 40 or so of those games. Although I wouldn't say Tampa is really any better than Winnipeg when it comes to team defense, I do have more faith in Ben Bishop as a goalie. In 2012, he played 22 games and had a save percentage uh, just under 920. And he also has a pretty good pedigree from being a prospect with St. Louis. So although we can't be as sure about where Ben Bishop is going, I have faith that he has more upside than Pavlich. So as long as the guy who dropped Pavlich already has an established number one goalie on his team, I think the move is a good one. And plus, we actually don't count saves as a category, so... He doesn't have as much value for having all of those starts. Yeah, I thought it was a good move, too. Another move by the same guy, which I initially thought seemed a bit more questionable in seeing the names, but after looking at the numbers, I'm not so sure. He dropped Francois Beauchemin from Anaheim, and he picked up Ryan Murphy. Keep in mind that our stats for defensemen are pretty much only goals and assists and shots, and Beauchemin really hasn't been doing anything. Do you think he's going to pick things up, or was it smart to drop him at this point? No, I think it was smart to drop him. Boschman this year has a new defense partner, Hampus Lindholm, who might have the best first name in the NHL. (laughs) Instead of Sheldon Suray last year, he's also not seeing as much power play time. So Boschman last year was a bit of an aberration, I think. He had 24 points in 48 games in the lockout-shortened year. His career high before that was 34 points in 61 games for Anaheim. Also, eight years ago in 2005, 
Since then, he's never scored more than 28 points in a season, and I don't see any reason to think why he'll do that again this year. Hmm. And then what do you think about this guy, Ryan Murphy? I hadn't even heard of him. Ryan Murphy is probably worth a flyer. I mean, I don't know what other defensemen were available at the time, but as an upgrade over Boschman, I think he's a good one. He's playing on the second pairing in Carolina with Jay Harrison, and he's getting a fair amount of power play time, not a ton. But over the last two games, he's seeing over 20 minutes. He has points in half of his team's games so far. And he's sort of someone that I think everybody's watching to see what he's going to do if he really has the upside. I mean, the Hurricanes, I feel, have become a little notorious for having offensive defensemen fantasy busts. I can rhyme off a couple just off the top of my head. You have Jamie McBain and Justin Falk. Both of those guys, I think, were drafted a couple years before they really started to have any real fantasy relevance and whether they do today is also in question. I think Ryan Murphy might be a better bet than either of those two to start putting up production soon, but in the context only of the move, Beauchemin for Murphy, I think it's a no-brainer go for Murphy. All right, so let's give a shout-out to this guy, Zach, in my league, who actually won last year, so he probably knows what he's doing. Yeah, he made both of those moves and looks like he's improved his team. I'm still going to beat him, though, this year. Now, a segment that I think would be fun to introduce on the podcast is to talk about not hot or cold players, but just to talk about whether a player's play is sustainable or whether it's fleeting. Maybe we can call it sustainable or fleeting. (laughs) Clever. So let's kick off the inaugural sustainable or fleeting segment. Elon, who do you have? So I'm going to ask you if someone is being sustainable in their suckiness. Because I'm very concerned about one of my defensemen, Jack Johnson. I picked him up pretty high. He plays for Columbus. He's supposed to be, like, you know, their top defenseman, quarterback of the power play. This season so far, he has three points in ten games. And those three points came in the first four games. Actually, two of those points came in the very first game. So basically, for the past five, six games, he's pretty much done nothing at all. Is Jack Johnson a solid defensive option? Or is his zero production sustainable? So last year, Jack Johnson also started slow. He only had two points in his first eight games, but then he picked it up with six points in his next 10, and then seven in his next 14 after that in the month of March. And after that, he slowed down again towards the end of the year. I don't know who Jack Johnson is, really. And I don't mean, like, I don't know who he is as a, as a person. I, I am aware he plays defense for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I really don't know what to think of him. I know his defensive responsibility has been dubious. He's a minus 94 in his career. So if that's a stat in your league, it's probably something that you want to be wary of if he's not producing. Right. He's, that's not a stat in my league, but definitely I can imagine that would be making people tear their hair out. Do you know what his power play time is like? Yeah, so he is still getting power play time. I could look at his last game, which was against Toronto. The Blue Jacks won 5-2, to two, so definitely they had a lot of offense, but none from Jack Johnson. But he did play five minutes on the power play. So yeah, he wasn't the top person on the power play. Actually, Ryan Murray played eight minutes and 45 seconds, and James Wisniewski played nine minutes. So it actually is looking like Jack Johnson isn't even on the top power play unit. Oh, no. And it looks like they are scoring at a rate of 20.5% on the power play, which puts them in the top half in the league. So if Jack Johnson is getting power play time on the Blue Jackets a team succeeding on their power play one out of every five tries, and he's still not putting up points. Yeah, I'd say that's frustrating. I don't think he'll end up with fewer than 30 points on the season, but in the head-to-head league, it matters, right, how long he's going to go cold for. 
So I really can't tell you. It's not really a good idea to drop him. I think you're stuck with him for now and just hope he picks it up sooner or later. And that it's going to be just like last season. He's off to a slow start. And sooner or later, he's going to start putting up a pace of maybe half a point a game. I hope so, man. You said the same thing last week about Goligoski, so... Well, that's the problem. with If you draft a guy who, who's got the pedigree but isn't, isn't putting up points, you're really in a bind in fantasy hockey. And I think that's one of the challenges, whether you're going to wait out the, the, the lack of production or you're going to jump ship. And I think waiting it out is generally the smarter move. But it's so hard. Brian, who do you have as your sustainable or fleeting candidate? I'm going to go with the other Johnson, his name, Eric. He went pointless in his first five games, which sort of was keeping up with how he had been doing the last couple of years. But since then, he's got four points in his last five. He's seeing about 20 minutes of ice time a night. He's on the ice for 40% of his team's power play time. I mean, it's been two years since we saw 40-point potential from him. And remember, he was, like, hugely fantasy relevant. He went early. He was a keeper for some teams when he was back on St. Louis. But now he's starting to show vital signs. One thing working in his favor is his defensive partner, Jan Hedda, who's taking a bit of the defensive responsibility off of Johnson. I think that might be freeing him up to be a little more active offensively. Whether his play is sustainable or not, I'm not sure, but I think he's definitely worth a flyer in a depth league right now. So yeah, Eric Johnson, you know what? I think the Colorado defense is really interesting because Colorado is on fire right now. Yet, none of their defensemen really have a lot of fantasy relevance. Like, not a lot of them seem to be owned in leagues. Like, so Eric Johnson is one. Also, Andre Benoit is having, I think, a pretty good year playing on the top power play on this hot team. And he is also, like, barely owned, at least in ESPN. Yeah, he's not really known for his offensive prowess. I think he's sort of eating up minutes and playing defensively sound hockey, and that's good enough for him. The guy who everyone was expecting to break out this year, Tyson Berry, has been scratched recently. He showed pretty positive upside at, towards the end of last year and was supposed to run the power plays first unit this year. It's not going to be him at this point yet. He's not ready. So in the meantime, I think that Eric Johnson could take some of that time along with Andre Benoit. And if I had to choose from one of those guys to pick up power play points, it would be Eric Johnson. Hmm. Man, it's hard when you tell me all of these good defensemen and then I'm sitting on Goligoski and Johnson. But okay, moving on from sustainable and fleeting, which Brian, I think was an amazing segment. Good job <laughs> coming up with that one. A couple quick players of note before we end the show. Mika Zabinijad, he was called up by the Senators, got two points in two games. Is he someone people should be rushing to pick up? Yeah, I think the rumor was that he was only in the AHL because of financial reasons. So... He's an NHLer for sure. Like you said, he has a goal and assist, five shots on goal, and six hits in two games. His production so far has actually come on the fourth line with Eric Condra and Derek Grant. But if he's going to be relevant to you and your team, uh, he's going to need to see more time with Michaela and Spezza. So keep an eye on who his line mates are and how much ice time he's getting. Right now he's still getting less than 15 minutes. He's not getting a ton of power play time. But it's a good time to get him because I think at this point he's just coming up. He's getting his season started and he has to sort of earn that extra ice time and earn that status on the top line. Okay, Mika Zabinijad, I'm going to keep my eye on him, see if he gets more minutes. Quick rapid fire, Brian, 90 seconds. Who do you want to tell us about before we go? 
Okay, Brandon Dubinsky, he started with a three-game point streak. Then he went silent as Columbus struggled for five games. Then he put seven shots on goal. And since then, he has two consecutive multi-point games. Also, Riley Smith. Riley who? He's a third-round pick of Dallas in 2009. He had nine points in 40 career games played with the Stars. He was traded to Boston along with Louis Erickson. Now he has six points in 10 games with his new team. That's one goal and five assists. He has a spot on one of the Bruins' top two lines with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, who replaced Louis Erickson. He had a five-game point streak earlier this season. He's only got 10 shots on goal and minimal power play time, though, so his peripherals aren't so strong. Someone to keep an eye on. Okay, I'll add him to my watch list. I don't like these non-power play guys. Brendan Dillon. He has no power play time either, but he still plays 20-plus minutes a night for the Dallas Stars. He's got three goals and two assists in 10 games. He's a depth option on your blue line. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely doing better than Alex Goligoski. Next. Todd Bertuzzi is Detroit's maybe new Thomas Holmstrom. He's seeing power play time on the first unit. That means with Datsuk, Zetterberg, and Alfredson. He's been a steady 40 to 45 point player for the last five seasons. He didn't play much at all last year. But this year he has two power play goals so far standing in front of the net like Holmstrom used to do. But I think he's got a smaller butt. (laughs) Interesting. I was not aware of the sizes of the Detroit players' butts. I'll take a look. Anyone else? One more Detroit player to talk about, Jonas Gustafsson. I don't know if anyone still calls him the monster, but that was sort of a dumb nickname to start with. But so far this year, he's playing like a monster. Three wins, no losses, 2.13 goals against, 9.37 save percentage. And those wins weren't easy. They came against the Bruins, the Blue Jackets, and the Avalanche. Okay, but does he have any chance at all of taking starts away from Jimmy Howard, even though he's had kind of a weak start? No significant chance, but if the Red Wings want to rest Howard and maybe have him play only 50 or 55 games, that means Gustafsson gets, you know, 25-30, and if you can keep this up, he's a really valuable guy to have as your as your third goalie. Okay, all right, thank you. I think you've helped a lot of people out. I've had a great time today, Brian, I gotta tell you. Have you had an educational time? Yeah, I think I have, you know, fantasy hockey, it's a serious thing, it's not about fun, it's about winning. And I have a good feeling for next week. I think my team is going to keep going. The people I'm thinking of potentially dropping are Tomas Hurdle. And then I still have these defensemen on my mind that you're telling me I have to hold on to. So I will. Uh, I can't. I, I'm very. I'm, ex, I'm interested to see what happens with Thomas Hurdle. And I hope you'll tell me all about it next week. Yeah, we'll be back next week. And again, I just want to tell our listeners, tweet at us, at Keeping Carlson. You ask us questions, we will give you answers on Twitter. And we'll probably even mention them on the show. Send us an email, keepingcarlson at gmail.com. You know, we're on iTunes now. You search for Fantasy Hockey. We show up in the second row. Get us to that first row. Leave us a five-star review if you would be so kind. That's it for us. Have a great week, and I hope you win if you're a listener. And I hope all the people who aren't listeners, I hope you lose. (laughs) That's a great way to end it. I, I really like that. Okay, good. All right. Goodbye, everybody. So long. 